Hello people, how the devil are you? Hope you're well, happy, healthy, still sane. <laughs> it's been a while, something's been keeping me busy. Hmm. <laughs> but it's good to be back with another episode. Not a proper episode, celebrating the 10 Minute Dojo's second birthday. That's insane, I don't know where the time has gone. So I put together a few snippets of my favorite episodes over the last two years i really appreciate all the support and the encouragement from people it's great to see and i will be back very soon with a new episode so enjoy stay safe have fun speak to you soon I've been running my club for about 18 months and loving it. The karate path was great. The training, the group, the instructors, the teaching, and the possibility of doing this as a full-time career started to become a possibility, as others I knew were doing it. But I didn't want to rock the boat as it was all working well together, my job and the club. Though things change, as they have a tendency to do, and my shifts at the factory were going to change to Continentals, which would mean I would not be able to run my karate club because I'd be at work. I was already running the club successfully around my three-shift system, which was working well. I had to change my circumstances. This is the crossroads that life was giving me, an opportunity to change. It was screaming at me, here you go, now's your chance, run your club properly, teach full-time. I didn't hear it. I spoke to my manager and went back onto a production line that was still running my comfortable three shifts, having no effect on my club. Problem sorted. Opportunity missed. Even though I was back on the production line, secure in the knowledge my club was safe and comfortable in the three shifts, deep down I was unhappy about it. I progressed well in the factory, secured a good position, but was turned down for a team leader position. That's why I was back on the production line. My failure to secure the Team leader position was another indication of not really wanting to be there, just going through the motions. But I took it the wrong way. I blamed everything as to why I didn't get the position, made every excuse go in to soften the blow to my ego, not realising that I was just not good enough to get the position, which my friend did get, and at the time, I resented the decision. My attitude was wrong. I felt that if I couldn't recognise my talent and reward it with a promotion, I'll find somewhere that will appreciate me. So whilst I was back on the production line, back in my comfort zone, I got in touch with another factory. They interviewed me and offered me a team leader position with the same three-shift pattern, sorted. More money, bargain. That'll show them I can do this job, I can be a team leader. In other words, a second opportunity from life to teach karate full-time. Right, here we are again, another chance for you. Leave the factory. Don't take the team leader position at another factory. Teach full-time. Of course, that is not how I read it. I read it as another problem sorted. I'm now a team leader with more money, another opportunity missed. I went to work for a crisp factory, not far from the factory I left. Straight out of the frying pan and into the fire. Same stuff, different factory. Consequently, my new job lasted about four months. I did love their crisps though. And I had just completed an international karate trip with the squad and my oldest son. And absolutely loved the coaching part. And it sealed my fate, so to speak. I remember calling my wife, saying I didn't want to go back. 
teaching karate was what I wanted to do. And she said, okay. So he's pretty amazing. So I handed in my notice and had one month to replace my wage and create a career in teaching karate. And yes, I had a great wage and every financial commitment you can think of, I had. But it was time to do it. Life gave me a couple of opportunities to do this, then threw me into it. Teaching karate became my main path. Don't get me wrong, it was the hardest thing I've ever done, and it was by far all plain sailing. The recession hit, my wife went back to college full-time. I also took a few shifts back in leisure, and many other things, which would be ideal for another podcast. But... Twelve years down the line, here I am, still here, doing it. Though my karate path would also take a few turns as well. A couple of months ago, I went through a period of not feeling at my best. I had lost my mojo. With feeling pretty low and probably depressed, for want of a better word, and it lasted a couple of weeks... It's not the first time and won't be the last time that I'll experience these feelings. But I'm trying to understand them and build skills to help myself work through it. When it happened, I had no enthusiasm for anything. I couldn't muster up any motivation, just emptiness and no feelings. And no one really talks about this type of stuff. And it comes across as everything is all sweetness and light and going great as we don't really want to admit there's something wrong. And it feels a little bit more worse if you study a martial art as you're supposed to be able to handle anything, right? Or so it feels like. But there is a lot more information out there nowadays. And the stigma is changing for men who have these uh, feelings, which is great. And I would definitely advocate seeking professional help if you don't think there is an end to feeling this way but for me I recognized it as just an emotion like being happy sad angry more scared that type of thing and it helped me to understand it resulting in me knowing that it would pass like other emotions pass so when the feeling starts to materialize I don't ignore it, rather try to understand it, figure out the root cause, for like other emotions have a reason for their appearance. The self-help world is, uh, you know, full of tricks and mantras, excuse me, to try and be positive, but I think it's too hard to think positively 100% of the time, and it's not in our nature to do so. I think it's part of being human. It's like telling a depressed person to think positively and be happy isn't really an answer. But trying to understand those feelings and their cause, along with other human emotions, may help to manage it a bit more effectively. And one of the things I tried to do whilst feeling like I'd lost my mojo was trying to keep to my daily routine but the only thing I could maintain was teaching at my dojos five nights a week. This helped pull me through. 
But everything before and after teaching a class became nothing. I couldn't do anything, but I knew I had to go and teach. Sometimes I didn't want to be there, but the thought of letting my students down was too great to bear, though that's all I could do during that period. This then affects another part of my routine, which is exercise. We all know the benefits of, ex of exercise and what it can do for the body, especially mentally, but it's so hard to keep to that part of the routine. Well, I definitely find it hard. When you are emotionally low and mentally tired. But what I found helps is just a walk. You know, nothing taxing physically or mentally. Just a slow walk amongst nature with lots of deep breaths to help clear your head. Because if, if you're already tired mentally and physically through feeling low, there's no point stressing the body out further with a high-intensity exercise regime. But doing nothing is also counterproductive. I had no incentive to exercise or train, my, especially my beloved martial arts, but I could go out for a walk and just be mindful of my breath whilst walking, which is, I like just to call walking meditation. And that really helped, really, really did help. The next thing to be effective, affected during this period that I found difficult to keep a routine for was nutrition. This I found so hard to maintain when feeling low emotionally. I know it's just looking for some form of um, comfort, but as, I, as I've said for a long time, bad food, bad mood. It feels good temporarily, but it's one thing I definitely have to work on next time it comes around, as I know it will. I will uh, endeavor to manage my nutrition better and make better choices of food when feeling this way. But the last thing I noticed, which I noticed retrospectively, to do was limit my time on social media or stay off it during this period when I wasn't at my best emotionally. I tended to gravitate towards things on social media that aren't really conducive to a positive mindset. You tend to feel like everyone else has a perfect life other than you and they are achieving great things, so why aren't you? Or so it seems. Social media is a false impression of life and it definitely does not help with your own mindset especially if it's already not feeling great so I will limit my time on it and uh, stay away from things that can affect my outlook next time so the main things that I work on when I when having a you know a period of feeling like I've lost my mojo is routine and trying try and keep that as normal as possible to focus on exercise something is better than nothing which i need to work on and uh, nutrition like i say bad food bad mood 
none of which I've mastered, all of which need working on. But I have found them to be uh, very helpful when going through a period of you feeling low, along with trying to understand the cause of the emotion I'm experiencing and accepting it as a natural human response that I can work through. And knowing I can seek professional help if things get too much, which comes with no shame in seeking help or accepting it. Patience. Another important attribute to have as an instructor. Oh yes, your patience will be tried and tested as an instructor in ways you thought weren't possible. Let's look at its definition. Patience, the capacity to accept or tolerate delay, problems or suffering without becoming annoyed or anxious. If you don't have patience, then you'd better learn and develop this attribute quickly, whether you're teaching kids or adults, but especially kids. It's one of the first things an instructor to be tested, and it comes pretty quickly. Everything that comes with instructing will push the limits of your patience, from teaching your martial art, the students, assistant instructors or helpers, the running of a club, to the parents of students. And no doubt, a few more will come to mind as well. I like the part of the definition that says, without becoming annoyed. <laughs> Everything I listed relating to instructing will definitely have the ability to annoy you. Some more than others, and some more frequently. Students are the obvious ones when trying to teach them content. That will stretch your patience. Whether it's due to their behaviour or their ability to learn, you have to adapt to their individual needs without becoming annoyed. <laughs> Easier said than done. Your patience might have already been wearing thin even before you arrived at the club to teach stemming from all sorts of life issues. Home life, work, your own kids, your boss, your partner, anything. But none of that matters when you are there to teach others. Like I said, it's not about you. Students don't want to know or care. They just want you to teach and help improve them. It doesn't matter how much you love your martial art or how passionate you are about it, your patience to teach it to others needs to be resolute. Because as sure as the sun rises, your patience will be tested. Again, as instructing is not about you, if you think this attribute isn't your strongest, maybe teaching isn't for you, or you better develop patience. And we aren't even looking into other skills a person needs to possess to be a good instructor. Empathy and patience are just two attributes I believe to be important and will stand you in good stead along with many others. All of them could have had their own podcast, though these two are a good starting point. If you get empathy and patience right and work on them, they correlate with a lot of other attributes and skills 
needed to be a good instructor. They appear in mostly any other topic you can think of when discussing instructor skills. One last point is be yourself. I stated before it's easy to let the ego take control when being an instructor, which gives a false impression of you and your ability to students. And that image will eventually shatter. Trust in yourself and your ability. Work on yourself and your ability. And a good instructor always wants his or her students to surpass their own level. That's how progress is made. Empathy and patience will help you achieve this. Even in life, we're told how to do everything. From what to think right down to how to breathe. Usually what, where, when, why, how. All aspects of our lives, all of it. The best thing to do now and then is turn it off. Nothing will happen. It can be quite liberating. Even I get sucked into surfing the web, watching all sorts of martial art clips, training, techniques, katabunkai, kali, business skills. But it needs to be kept in check as it definitely affects me and my mood with information overload without realising it, it can become overwhelming and depressing. See, what I tend to do now is my phone won't be turned on until about 9am or my PC and they're both switched off by about 9pm. Guess what? Nothing happens. I don't miss anything. (laughs) And I'm not missed either. The bit in the morning is great because it's a good head clearer and it sets you up for the day. The info on a phone or PC has its obvious advantages and we have everything available to us 24-7. But like martial arts, it needs balance in its usage If you can't put your phone down or stop clicking on that next martial art video, you need to take a break. Clear your head and find a balance in taking in all that noise. Recapping the last episode where I lost my mojo, I didn't want to do anything. I could just about teach I had no feeling or motivation or mojo to do anything. But I knew it would pass, just like other feelings and emotions do. So I talked about keeping to a routine as much as possible. And for me, that was going to my clubs and teaching. Then trying to keep moving in terms of exercise. And for me, that was walking, going out for a walk, which I call walking meditation as I'm not a fan of doing a heavy workout and stressing the body when it already is stressed physically and mentally. I then talked about nutrition and how that was difficult to maintain through this period and it definitely needs working on for next time. So, my mojo did return, but 
not all of it. As it's a work in progress, you know, there are parts that always need monitoring and working on. And one part is the mind. The return wasn't instant. I didn't just wake up fine one day. It was gradual. I kept working on what we talked about in the previous episode. But the biggest task is keeping an eye on my thoughts and their negative or positive effect they have on my outlook. As I stated in the previous episode, bad food, bad mood. And the same applies to what you feed your mind and how that directly affects your mojo. We know that there are some serious issues going on in the world at the moment, as there always is and always will be. But the way we view the world via the media and social media platforms can affect negativity in our minds. Along with having to deal with the personal issues in our own lives, we can all add up, you know, creating stress and negativity. So last time I limited my time and exposure to social media and ensured what I was looking at would only be positive. And it definitely helped me work through it, helping me regain my mojo. Another thing I did was to read about the mind to improve my knowledge and understanding as to why we think in certain ways and how to deal with negative thoughts and build some skills in dealing with this. I found a pretty amazing book called The Mind Monster Solution, How to Overcome Self-Sabotage and Reclaim Your Life by Hazel Gale. A couple of things attracted me to this book. One was that it was originally called Fight, Win Freedom from Self-Sabotage. And the title stood out for me. It jumped out from the shelf, the word fight. The second attraction was that the author, Hazel Gale, was an international kickboxer and boxer. Sold. Instant connection. A martial arts connection. It was meant to be. (laughs) There are a lot of self-help books out there. I've read a lot of them. Usually full of fluff. But Hazel's book... It really does give you the skills and foundation to help with this issue. So it's worth checking out. That's The Mind Monster Solution by Hazel Gale. And you can find her on, on the usual social media platforms. So check it out. I've also found looking forward to the future helps bring about positive thoughts and processes. Having something to focus on and work towards keeps the mind busy. You can easily get stuck in a routine where the days seem to roll into one, feeling like a grand dog day. But planning ahead with things like a holiday, a special event, training seminars, a specific goal, whether that goal is a work-related goal, fitness or personal-orientated, really helped me to bring my mojo back. The final thing I found that helps bring my mojo back was being selfish. Yes, you heard that correctly. Selfish. 
you have to take time for yourself to work on yourself. Yes, we have responsibilities to others, families, friends, work colleagues, students, but we can't be there for them if we aren't there for ourselves. And our mojo can be drained empty too easily by others if we don't take care of ourselves. I was listening to uh, one of my um, favorite rock bands, Guns N' Roses, when a lyric really resonated with me in one of their songs. And the lyric was, When there ain't enough of me to go around, I'd rather be left alone. Which was from the song on the Use Your Illusion 2 album called Breakdown. <laughs> Ironic title. For me, that is so true. And there is nothing wrong with that. It's okay not to be okay. So to get through it, you need to be selfish and give yourself time. And sometimes that's being on your own, in your own space to recharge yourself. I love teaching martial arts and I've been lucky enough to do it full time for over 12 years now. But teaching takes a lot out of you. Considering what I give out to such a range of people from children to adults. I treat each lesson like it's the first time I've met the students and equally like it's the last time I'll teach them, giving them everything I can. Repeating this process every lesson, week in, week out, year after year, can be very draining. So that is why the lyric really resonated with me and why I believe spending time in my own space to help recharge my mojo and my mind to carry on with what I love to do. So, I found my mojo since the last episode, but parts still need working on, as everything that's worthwhile does. It's okay not to be okay, and there is no shame in getting the help you need, whether that is professionally, through a book, or a podcast, <laughs> whatever works for you. We're all in this game called Life Together, doing the best that we can, when we can. So, Chunk has tied himself out, and I can uh, carry on with this podcast about attending seminars. And I've been doing um, seminars and events for over a decade now. I've been going to them, I've been hosting them, and I've been lucky enough to deliver some for people. And they're still a great, great way to uh, learn. And they are seem to be as popular as ever. So there's so much um, choice out there. So really, the first thing is to plan the year ahead. And as I said, I'm a month behind. So some of you guys have probably already done that. So dates usually come out quite early for seminars throughout the year via various uh, social media. So just plan ahead for the, for the year and really figure out what it is you want to learn and what that topic is that's going to enhance the martial art that you're learning. And then decide who 
you want to learn it from because there is so much choice out there. Usually I have two major events, possibly three, that I book uh, every year and then I choose a few others around those events. But you re really need to have a balance because like I said there is so much choice out there that you could be attending something every weekend for the whole year which would be a bit of a financial burden let alone <laughs> other burdens like your family because time is all we have you really need to find a balance of uh, what you want to learn and who you want to learn it from and then plan plan that year ahead and what you want to achieve to enhance your your martial arts because like I say there is something every weekend if you looked for it so uh, don't feel guilty about not attending everything that seems to take your fancy the next thing is uh, when you're at a seminar is, is trying to remember the information um, I'm not a fan of um, writing notes which I do see a lot of people do probably because my note writing skills aren't that great and I'll look at it later and go what was that um, but I think sometimes you might miss a moment or you might miss something that they're trying to uh, put across to you so unless um, your note taking is impeccable um, I would say just not to panic about remembering everything in the seminar because remember, it's it's only a it's only a snapshot. A seminar is just a snapshot and gives you brief ideas from the instructor. So um, beating yourself up about trying to remember everything for the four hours or whatever the seminar length is is a bit of counterproductive. If even if you take one point away from that instructor, you can always build on that for the next time. <clears throat> and like I said. Um, Seminars are only snapshots, and if you take a fancy to whatever you've seen on a seminar, then it's an ideal opportunity to think, well, shall I develop this? Shall I put some more time into this topic and, and learn more of it? And that's exactly what I did when I first met Ian Abernathy, which is, my Lord, 2007, 2008. I was looking for some answers regarding kata and kata application and a seminar of his came up locally about an hour or two away from me so I thought well, best way let's go and meet the fella and, and see what happens but it was such a great seminar I thought this needs to be explored more so it was over the next few years really that I was lucky enough to um, jump on a course offered by Ian which was introductory instructor award to his method of kata teaching and instructing. And then over another couple of years after that, I was lucky enough to become a full instructor under his method. So a seminar is great. It's a great way of meeting people. It's a great way of meeting an instructor that you may have never trained with before. And it's a great way of getting a snapshot of ideas that you want to study and you want to add to your art. But then you need to take it further and wh whilst you're at seminars it's how you train as well at seminars you're there to learn and you're there to pick things up 
so you don't really need to uh, show off your martial prowess <laughs> to anyone else there or your training partner. Like you're there to learn. I've seen a lot of people who uh, seem to think that it might be their seminar they're attending. They're not the instructors, and uh, seem to strut around like a uh, peacock showing his feathers. But hey ho, each to their own. I would say um, don't waste the opportunity of learning and feeling what it is that they're offering via the training with a partner. Also, the best part about attending seminars is you never know who you're going to meet or where it's going to lead. So you might be booking yourself onto a seminar for one reason and then completely uh, coming across another reason. For example, I was on a um, a course with Jeff Thompson and I was attending that course for self-protection training and um, tips and things like that. And for those of you who don't know, Jeff Thompson is, is pretty renowned for, for that topic. And on that course, I met um, Al Peasland and Mick Tully, and this was back in 2009. And I sort of knew that their background was karate, but they were also into other arts that I didn't quite know to the full extent what they were and they just offered me an opportunity to come and train with them and again this was probably 2009 and I took the opportunity to go and train with them and while I was watching them move and teach I was like they don't move like karate guys and uh, I thought well I need to train with these guys so I was on a course looking at something I wanted and found something I needed, which can happen at seminars. And 10 years later, I'm still training with Mick Tully and Al Peasland, and that's in the uh, Kali side of martial arts and the Jeet Kune Do side, which, is, which just en enhances my karate training anyway. So you're on a course for one thing, but you'll never know who you meet or who you come across and where the path path may lead you so that's the biggest bonus of attending seminars as a practicing karateka student and instructor i sometimes find myself caught up in establishing a reason for everything i do questioning myself as to what will be the outcome what will be the end result is there a perceived benefit whether it is for personal or professional reasons, I seem to be always looking for a result if I have given time and effort to something. But I think we can get too focused on needing or wanting a reason for what we do and wanting to see results or benefits against the amount of work we put in. It's only a natural human response to want or maybe expect something we feel we have worked hard for and have dedicated a lot of time to. Whether it is for training, grading exam, competition self-protection skills, coaching or instructing, or working towards a promotion at work, we usually attach a reason as to why we do it and what we want or expect from it. We all know that purposeful practice, goal setting, training plans, professional development are necessary tools to aid progress. And these tools can help maintain our motivation to work towards our goals. But sometimes 
We need to lessen the burden on our minds, drop our personal expectations and do it for the love of it. Isn't that the primary reason anyway? The first step of anything, the root connection, loving whatever it is we are doing. Life is hard enough as it is at times, without dedicating our precious time to something we don't love or enjoy. But just because you love it or enjoy it doesn't stop it from being hard to carry out or complete. So when things get hard as they inevitably do if it's something worth completing, you have to hold on to that primary reason, the love of it, to help get you through. When I first became a full-time karate instructor, I soon forgot the primary reason of becoming one, which is the love of the art. It was the hardest thing I've ever done, leaving my job and becoming a full-time instructor. Actually, let me rephrase that. It was the easiest thing to do, just handed my notice in, and became a full-time instructor. What became hard was maintaining that and creating a career out of it. And I succumbed to the usual worries and fears, including mortgage payments and any other bill you could think of I had. Getting new students, retaining the students, growing the clubs and many more worries. Consequently, losing focus on the main reason of loving the art of karate. Don't get me wrong, I couldn't ignore those worries and I had a lot of work to do to make a success of being an instructor. But I couldn't lose sight of the primary reason of being an instructor, and that was for the love of the art. Just loving it won't pay the bills, but forgetting this core reason started to affect everything I was trying to achieve.